Welcome back to Read Talk. I'm your host, Whitney Godwin, and today we're going to look at a specific college population. About 50% of college-going students are first-generation students. I myself was a first-generation college student, and for many students like me, the coming-to-college process and the four years that you spend here can look really different from students who are not first-generation. Today, we're going to hear from a recent graduate and first-generation college student, Darren Hartwell. Darren is originally from Princeton, West Virginia. Hi, Darren. Welcome to Read Tech. How are you? Hi, Whitney. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. It's so nice outside and it's finally summer. So I feel like we are starting to slow down just a little bit, but we're also excited to welcome a new group of freshmen to the College of Media um, at New Student Orientation this month um, and also when they get here on campus in the fall. So today we're talking about something that really resonates with both of us, um, but I just want to start by hearing your story. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in Southern West Virginia, where you grew up, and maybe a little bit about how you thought about college as a child and how it was presented to you at school or at home. Yeah, absolutely, Wendy. So I'm originally from Princeton, West Virginia, which is the very bottom of the state. Um, I actually went to Montcalm High School, which is a smaller single way high school. I graduated with about 48 people. So more specifically, college was very local. Um, it was very spot on about you. You primarily stayed at home. You went locally and that just wasn't what I wanted to do. When I started researching schools, of course, when you go out of state, that was something that sort of impacted my financial situation as a first generation student. So I started looking at options in state. And when I found West Virginia University and I found such a high rate of first generation students um, and the Reed College more specifically of that accreditation of 25 to one student to faculty ratio, I really fell in love with the fact of it's that small town mentality that I still had, but I could still get that large school experience at the same time too. Yeah, so, you know, first generation college students for so many of them, this coming to college process can be confusing and overwhelming. Um, how did you work through that as the time came to get everything sorted out? And what advice do you have for a first generation student who might be struggling to understand this process or who is going through that process right now just to make it here on campus? I'll admit I was so ecstatic to make it to campus. Um, I actually moved to Morgantown July before freshman year started so I could start looking ahead to find a job to, uh, to I actually lived on a friend's couch to, to keep continually job searching just to get my foot in the door and to get started. Um, as for starting college and to getting into those first couple weeks of school, I really kept myself busy. Um, you know, it was exciting. It was new. It was very nerve wracking. It was very um, trying to learn the halls, trying to get around campus, trying to uh, figure out transportation, things like that were sort of overwhelming at first, but working alongside with other students who have been here longer, such as other Reed students or students in my dorms, RAs, things like that. I used my local resources to help me get adjusted to. Um, I'll admit I made a lot of phone calls home to mom and dad, you know, that that really brightened my day and it helped me keep my spirits up too. Um, sometimes a phone call to home can make a big difference for you whenever you're feeling down, but more specifically, don't isolate yourself when you do feel that you're down, you know, get involved, get outside, uh, do as much as you can because there's so much to do at WVU and while you're there. Uh, in the four years I was there, I don't think I did enough. <laughs> I could have done so much more. Uh, 
but I still did so much in my time that I'm still pleased with my experience. And if I could do all four years again, I would in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned a lot of really great advice there. I think calling home was super important for me as a first-gen student as well. Um, But getting involved was really one of the best things I did for myself. And then also understanding, like you were talking about transportation and getting around, I think coming from a small town, I wasn't sure what to expect in a larger city, but people were so nice. Like I could stop anybody walking around Woodburn Circle and be like, hey, I don't know how to get to Iceland Hall. Can you help me? Um, And they were more than willing to help me. But I think at the time, you know, when you're 18 and you're coming in and you're not sure, you know, exactly what you've gotten yourself into, it can be a little intimidating to just stop somebody and ask. I was very spooked. I'll admit on that. You know, there were times my senior year, I still went to a hall and I'm like, I don't know where this is. Um, <laughs> so even after four or five years, there are some halls you will never touch, you will never experience, but definitely get involved. Um, you know, I, I tried to stay involved with as many diverse groups as possible, whether they were fraternities or sororities or student orgs or student government, um, student ambassadors, however you can get involved by all means. I think that that made a big, big, big impact on just getting so many diverse groups of people around me too. But like you said, everybody's so friendly. Everybody's so approachable. Um, you know, we can sense when somebody's lost and it's uh, their first couple of days. We're going <laughs> to offer to help uh, just because I've been there before and I understand it's very scary. Uh, my first college class had 350 people in it that Wednesday morning. We met three times a week and I said, this is my whole high school in one room. Um, that was very, very, very scary. Um, yeah. but once I stepped into my journalism classes and I got more into my, my less out of my general education courses and more into my journalism courses, I got more of that hands-on closer knit sort of down home feeling that I was missing from Southern West Virginia. Um, I couldn't have gotten that. I believe in any other college, no offense, I'm a little biased, uh, <laughs> but, but more specifically, you know, I, I was, good friends and colleagues with a lot of the professors and teachers and grad assistants and anyone in that building was willing to help however they could or recommend someone who could help you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, as a first generation student, getting here is half the battle Um, in that first little period of adjustment. But Staying is also a concern sometimes um, for first-generation students, whether that be for financial reasons or, um, you know, as you talked about, maybe feeling isolated a little bit. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your freshman year and what things specifically helped you acclimate to the environment of being in college? Because first generation or not, the transition from high school to college can be hard for so many people because it is so different. Uh, It really helps to sort of build friendships, even with people you don't know. Randomly saying hi to someone in your freshman 101 class, um, you know, we're still friends to this day. Just being a friendly face, um, spreading good vibes, (laughs) being happy. If you're not being happy, get outside and find something that does make you happy. That's what truly helped me get through the brute of it was just doing things that I was still passionate about, but also balancing my school and work life too. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point for anyone, Christian or not. There is a balance you have to strike in college. And I see kids miss the mark on this a lot. Either they don't 
have any fun at all and they just spend all of their time doing schoolwork and studying, that's just not healthy. You have to be able to pursue things that you're interested in, that you're passionate about, maybe take a rest day. Um, you know, whether that's looks like taking a nap and going to yoga or literally doing nothing and watching Netflix all day. It's so important to strike that balance. Um, to kind of stay in a mentally healthy place too, so that as you move along through your courses, which will get harder as you go, um, help you stay kind of on top of that workload and also help keep that fire alive because you're pursuing a degree because you're passionate about something. And so that fire doesn't go out because we all get burned out um, with things that we love. You have to kind of help maintain that, that balanced side of life also. I think, Whitney, you will be the first to admit this. I could not strike a balance at first. I, I really yeah. struggled yeah. with throwing myself into it immediately, and I had to do as much as possible, as much as I could in that first year. But I also was trying to work a full-time job and working overnights in the same time, too. I could not strike that balance. I struggled yeah. really hard with a mental balance of my work life, of trying to support myself financially, but also still acclimating to a social and academic life of still balancing those two. Um, one of them had to give or take, you know, and yeah. luckily my academia had to go ahead and I had to step back away from working as much as what I did. Did I take on more debt as a first generation student? Yes, I did. However, for my personal well-being, I had to do that to make sure I wasn't slipping away before I could even start growing into my degree. Um, you know, you can slip away very quickly if you bite off more than you can chew. Um, yeah, and I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about that because, you know, a, a lot of our first generation students, but also a lot of students outside of first generation students have to try to balance, you know, working a job to, to financially support as well as take a full load of classes and be successful, um, you know, socially as well. What, what advice do you have for somebody who is trying to manage that balance? Like it, it's very much possible um, because like you said, you eventually fell into a, a good balance and we see a lot of kids that do that. I kind of had a similar experience where I was a little overwhelmed because I tried to take on too much um, and then had to bring myself back to a point of balance. But what do you think is the key to balancing both of those successfully? I think the key that I really struck and something that worked as, as I finally got in those final years of my degree was finding jobs that were on campus that I was passionate about, but still could work alongside other professionals in the industry and help build products that I could be proud of, but also support myself financially. So it was kind of growing both aspects. You know, I worked under Professor Gina Dahlia and we worked alongside the Museum of, the Museum of Health Sciences and more specifically, uh, building that mini documentary and then working up into her teaching assistant and then working into WVU News as a capstone, it helped me grow as a professional and it helped me grow as a journalist, but it also helped me acclimate in a way that I was able to afford my life at WVU, still obtain the skills that I wanted to in journalism, but also still have time for a social life and academia life too. Um, you know, getting involved on campus helped me find on-campus jobs. Um, if it wasn't for professors like Professor Dahlia or uh, Professor Smith, those 
professors offering us freelance positions and offering us advice to grow our craft as well. I think that helped me sort of become more passionate and sort of freelance on my own and, and trust myself and my art in sort of crafting and providing products for other people as well, whether it be photo shoots for graduation or headshots for a local dentist. You know, I, I used my skills that I was using in my classes to then bring into my home life and my, my financial life as well. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, especially with our majors, but in general at the university, there are a lot of opportunities for students to work yes. for the university using oh, these yeah. skill sets. So creating video content for different colleges, managing social media channels, um, you know, our ESPN Plus Campus Connection for students that are interested in sports media pays. So there are opportunities. So I think you know, students should seek those out. If you don't know where to start, you can obviously talk to me or talk to Eric Miner. We're happy to help kind of get you set up in some of those opportunities. But the thing about working for the college or the university is they understand that you're also a student. So there is a little more flexibility there. Obviously deadlines are important, um, but they understand you're managing a full class load. And then outside of that, you know, building your own brand. You are a really amazing photographer and, you know, so much of building your own brand comes with valuing your skills. I think it's easy for students in college to think, well, I'm still in college, so maybe I don't have the professional skill level yet. And while you might not be a professional per se yet, you're a budding professional. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a skill set that people value that you can start putting into practice outside of the classroom now. I think if you have the skills that are willing to blossom in a sense of photography or media design or any sort of uh, print work or anything like that, Any, no matter what it may be, if you are passionate about it, you can make it into a professional craft. Um, you know, I was passionate about photojournalism and I started shifting that into my own personal brand. I then started taking my storytelling elements of video and I started developing that into my own brand. You know, looking kind of back at college, what sorts of things did you run into both positive or negative, you can speak to, to any of these, but what did you run into that maybe you weren't expecting? Ooh, that's a good question. When you step into college, something that I didn't realize was that professors are people too. You know, they, they have their own home lives, they have their own personal issues, and sometimes you do get involved in each other's issues. You know, you're, you're there for support for one another, and I think that was something that I wasn't prepared for, was the fact of the amount of support that I had from uh, teachers and staff and professors and whoever it may be that I came across in, in college. You know, they were extremely supportive of anything that you had going on as well. Um, now, going back, the something that I wasn't prepared for was how much I had to change and be ready to change in order to be better for myself. Mm -hmm. I really thought that when I moved to WVU that everything was fine and dandy and I was perfect the way that I was. And I, w I realized that in those four years, I changed a lot. I changed for the better. I grew. I had to learn. I had to, I had to really develop into the person I wanted to be for my career. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's a really good thing, but it is a very scary thing to do. Um, yeah, and and I would argue that 
one of the best parts of going to college is the character growth. It, yes. It's important to learn the skills that you're going to use to pay your bills in the future, but the amount of transition and character growth that you have at that age and also as you're starting to think about careers and where you want to live and what life might look like for you, um, having the perspective of other people that did not grow up in your small town is really good on the character development. Yes, it is. And I really think that you, you watch how you act, you watch how your actions can impact your future career as well. Um, but you also start to shift in a way that you want to change for the better too. Um, it's not always for someone else's change that you've had to do before. You know, now it's a sense of finding your own person, your own individuality, and really coming to college to do this for your own sake. Um, you know, when I first came to college, it was for other people, for other reasons, for other ideas. It wasn't for me. Coming back last last month for graduation, you know, it it was for me. That was my accomplishment. That was I did that as a first generation student, and I will proudly carry that for the rest of my life. I graduated college on my own. I provided for my own. I cared for my own, but I did have people along the way who helped raise me to that accomplishment. And that's what you have to be grateful for. Um, you may have some hardships. You may have some times of doubt. You may have times of worry and stress, but I promise you, it is ultimately worth it. It is worth every penny, tear, dime, and Chick-fil-A sauce I believe I ordered all through college. Uh, yeah, and, and to that point, you know, it's not just first-generation kids that struggle no. with college. College is hard, and I think people don't always realize that coming in, or they think, oh, well, you know, he's a journalism major, she's a public relations major, so how hard can that be? What we do is just as hard as other things. It's a different type of skill set, and, you know, some of us, I know for me in high school, I didn't have to study at all. I found high school to be very easy. But when I came to college, I quickly learned I couldn't do that. I had to learn how to study, which was a skill that I probably should have had before I came to college, but didn't really have. Um, and so college can be overwhelming in a lot of ways. And that's a totally normal feeling. Um, and I want our listeners who are, are hearing this to hear that like they're are times in college, there are going to be times in your future career where you can still love and appreciate what you're doing, but feel totally overwhelmed or discouraged. That is a normal human reaction. It is perfectly okay to feel overwhelmed or stressed or overworked in any media profession that you work in. No one can ever undermine, understaff, or underappreciate the hard and honest work that goes into being a journalist or any sort of media person, as a content creator, as any sort of aspect into this craft that we work in. Everyone has their own niche. <laughs> Everyone has their own personal style. And you cannot compare yourself to other people and how great their work is compared to yours. Your craft is your own and you have to learn it and you have to practice with it. You have to work on it. And it takes a lot of work to become a really good journalist. I still work all the time on being better. Even two, uh, a year and uh, two months after graduation, um, I'm still working on those skills that I was still learning in those classrooms four years ago. Yeah, and I think something that you pointed out there is important. While media is a competitive industry, Very competitive. 
I think as independent content creators, we should be, you know, hyping each other up and using each other to have discussions on like, hey, I see that you're really good at this skill that I'm not very good at. Can you offer me any advice? You know, the content creation community, specifically on Twitter, I feel like can be so helpful to one another and hype each other's photos up and, and videos or make suggestions. And I think there should be more of that. I think that we miss that a lot when we think of just competitive news stations or sports stations. And we forget that the people creating content are human beings who are much like us trying to improve what they're good at every single day. I think I struggled with that in college. Um, I struggled with comparing my art, my passions, my experience to everybody else. And I thought that I wasn't good enough. I was applying to hundreds of jobs every day. I was stressing myself out. I was psyching myself out, comparing myself to other applicants, other graduates, other experiences. And it did nothing but overbog me and overwhelm me. Um, more specifically, all it did was waste my energy that could have been put towards putting more practice into my art, uh, putting more into my brand, but more specifically, working alongside other people who are doing the same exact thing. Why are we working against each other when we could work alongside one another to influence both of us? Um, that's something I wish I did more in college was work alongside with more people. But the people I did work with taught me so much more than what I would have learned back home without the experience of college. Um, I would have never touched a camera. I would have never become the photographer that I am today without stepping into college. Um, it may not be a broadcast television journalism industry that I'm stepping into, but I'm using my own experiences to then come back home and make a change. What, what do you think of college now versus before you started? Is there anything you wish somebody maybe would have told you beforehand or something that you would have known beforehand looking back now? I didn't appreciate those times of those freshmen and, and early years of my degree. I didn't take that time to enjoy the fun. I didn't take the time to, to be myself, to be around other people that I enjoyed, to join organizations. I, I did struggle. I, I threw myself into my work and into things that were devoted to my craft, but I didn't get to jump outside of that. I wish that I would have taken more time to listen to myself to learn what I like to do, to become um, more of a person than just my career. I wish that I would have grown a little bit more of a personality in college than what I did. You know, I, I sheltered myself in order to hyper-focus on my, on my education. And that's perfectly okay. We all prioritize differently. Some people prioritize their social life when they come to college and that's okay too. But more specifically, like you just have to strike that balance. I wish that I would have done better um, four years ago than what I did now. You know, now I'm 10 times happier doing my own thing, listening to myself, trusting my art and following suit besides following an algorithm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, there's something to be said for how that has changed, right? I think maybe when you first entered college and certainly when I was in college, um, this wasn't even an option, but journalism is changing. People are really starting to look into the investigative side of journalism, the social justice side of journalism. And I think, you know, that is 
is something that has changed over the years, even since you were a freshman. And so I want to say to our listeners that journalism is always going to be a progression because there is always something new happening because there is always new technology. What you originally go to school thinking you're going to do might not be what you do when you get out because you find a new passion. And so while the skill sets stay the same primarily other than the technology skill sets changing, storytelling at the end of the day is storytelling. So just because you're not storytelling on the news like you thought you were, but you're telling a story because you're passionate about a social justice issue, that has just as much impact as somebody telling a story on the news. Because at the end of the day, you are both working towards a goal to inform people through storytelling. So I think we can get so caught up in comparison, like you said about, well, you know, I came to college and I thought I would be a news anchor, but now I'm actually working for a social justice organization creating content. That's okay. You can't, you can't compare the two because they're both just as impactful. I do think that when you go to college, you also, your ideas change, your passions change, your idea of a career changes too, because once you start dabbling into the experience in the industry, you find other ideas that you're passionate about. Um, I never thought about journalism, never thought about social videos. I never thought about social justice journalism either, um, advocacy journalism, community storytelling, things of that nature I would have never thought about before coming to college. Uh, brand storytelling for a community, that was not something I'd even heard of, thought of, I did not know it existed. So there were other areas of public relations, advertising, interactive media and design, you know, in, in all of those majors, I found other aspects that I enjoyed. And there were other skills that I enjoyed too, that I could carry on to incorporate with my journalism career. Um, I wanted to be a TV producer. That's what I wanted to do. And my ideas shifted. My, my passion pivoted, you know, that that's perfectly okay to me. That's perfectly okay to say that my ideas changed as I got deeper into the idea of journalism. Um, you'll find that there are times when you do question what you are passionate about or what really drives your fire of journalism and the, the storytelling aspects. Yeah, and as somebody who graduated, you know, 10 years ago, I can say the same thing is true of even when you are out of college for a while, you know, as you age, as you grow older, as different things pop up, because we live in a culture where things are constantly changing and new opportunities and innovation are constantly happening, that you will have different passions. What I was passionate about, you know, 10 years ago is not necessarily what I'm passionate about now because things have changed. And so I think that that's a really good point. And I appreciate you saying that and kind of also ties in nicely with what we were talking about, about comparison in college. This is a career path where you cannot really compare yourself to other industry professionals because not everyone has the same passions, the same goals, the same interests. You cannot compare your story to someone else's story. Uh, plain and simple. My, my story is different than Whitney's. Whitney's is different than other first generation students. First generation generation students are different than uh, students who come from a, a household of graduates. Yeah. Um, everybody is different. 
your craft is different, your art is different, your your design and your motives are different. You know, you can't compare yourself to someone else and say they're doing better or worse than you are. All you can do is uplift and appreciate what they are doing and see if you can work together to to work towards a greater cause. Yes, absolutely. And so you walked across the stage um, a few weekends ago, maybe it was just last weekend. It's been a couple. Um, (laughs) And it was a bit delayed because of the pandemic, but nonetheless, you did get to walk across the stage, which made me really happy. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about, about how you felt about that? Like what, what was that feeling? Bittersweet, very bittersweet. Um, Five years ago, I started my freshman year on on Milan Puskar Field, you know, Monday night lights with our pitch were taken that night before classes. Um, I ended my college career on the field, having my photo taken with Dean Martinelli, and I am more ecstatic about her looking prettier than me. Um, <laughs> but it it's bittersweet, you know. A year ago, I was I was shattered. I was shattered that my graduation was canceled, that it wasn't in person, that we couldn't make it happen but I understood that we had to do it for our own personal well-being and that my day would come. You know, I did have to wait some time and I did have to to really trust myself and trust the process of what we were doing, but it was so worth the experience of getting to walk across that stage and hearing my name of being a graduate of West Virginia University. That will never be taken away from me. Nothing of my degree or my education or my experience at WVU will ever be taken away from me, no matter how much money I have or no matter what career I have. Um, that's, that's a feeling that I will carry away from me for the rest of my life, always a mountaineer and forever a mountaineer. Yeah. And so you're, you had a really great, um, hat also. And so it's that shattering expectations. Can you talk a little bit about what that phrase means to you as a first-generation college student who has a degree from West Virginia university? The shattering expectations quote for my graduation cap really came from believing in yourself, but not letting other people determine your worth. I've always been told that I couldn't obtain a degree, that I wouldn't go to college, that I wouldn't graduate from college, that I, that I would move on and I would forget home. I'm back home now and I'm happier than ever. And while my media career isn't what I thought it would be, it's what I'm creating. And that's what I'm more passionate about. As a queer person in West Virginia, I got to shatter expectations of being out and proud and about in blue and pink and purple for graduation. You know, that that's something that I couldn't do in high school. That's something that I couldn't do in rural West Virginia. I felt that I couldn't open myself and be my own person as a queer and uh, as a queer individual in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but more specifically, you know, it shows that anything is possible. Yeah. And so you've talked a lot about ways that you have grown because of college. Where do you think you grew the most or what do you think your number one takeaway from your college experience was? I think my number one experience was to trust myself and to be myself. I couldn't compare my first generation queer rural upbringing to someone who was completely different than me. It really helped me sort of become true to myself, 
become true to the art and the, the heritage that comes from West Virginia, but more specifically, it just helped me to really just be me. I would have never been the, the truest version of myself if I didn't go to college, if I didn't um, broaden my horizons, find people that I had never encountered before. I was a quiet, sheltered, hidden person in the shadows. And now I'm loud and proud and I will be here for as long as I have to be to make a difference. Um, you know, yeah. that, that's something that I could have never done without this experience. It's something yeah. that I've never done without the help of you or Professor Dahlia or Dean Martinelli, Dean Reed, um, <sighs> Professor McFarland. I'm, I'm over here thinking of the Rolodex of people <laughs> who, who have really just made such an impact of staying true to you true to yourself um always believing in what you can do and where you can take it you know someone will listen no matter yeah. where you may go someone will hear your voice no matter how loud you have to be yeah I think that is so important I've seen it from me from myself and my own experience and your experience and so many of our students experiences that, you know, so many of us come to college really shy, um, really afraid to use our voice. And by the time that we kind of go through even just that first semester, um, have started to have an understanding of the impact that our words carry, that our life carries, that we can create in our communities and just come away completely different people. You and I right now are both very vocal. We're very social. We get are super outgoing. And I don't think that either of us had the confidence coming in to do that. And I think one of the greatest things college did for me was really help me to be confident in my voice, my impact, my story, my opportunity to help other people. But what advice do you have for a first-generation student entering college this year? Because, you know, they've come through the pandemic. A lot of them were in and out of school for a year and a half. And some of them I know are feeling like maybe they don't have it all figured out. They don't have the skills to do this. Maybe they feel like they are not ready to enter college on top of already being a first-generation college student. What would you say to them? Honestly, the, the seniors in the graduating class of 2021 are more powerful than what I was graduating in May of 2020. They have so much more adversity that they have overcome to graduate in such a sterile environment of graduation for high school that now you have to step into a whole new world that you're, you feel that you're ill-prepared for. I'm here to say it's perfectly okay to not be prepared. <laughs> it's perfectly okay to feel like you don't have it all together or to feel like you're a mess or to feel like um, you haven't picked a roommate or haven't picked housing or don't have the, the cutest bedding. It is perfectly okay. Um, sometimes you just have to slow down and really understand what's important to you, what you're really passionate about, but more specifically, like you just gotta be true true to yourself. Don't let it, don't let it overpower you just because someone else wants you to fail. Um, if I let everyone else determine my worth, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I definitely wouldn't be in the shoes that I'm in today. I wouldn't have the voice, the power, the confidence, um, the, the rainbowness that I have today if I didn't trust myself and the journey that I took with going to college. I had to be solid in that decision. 
I was the one who made that decision. I was true to it, um, but I did it for my own sake. I'll be the first to tell you that you have to make that decision. You have to do this for you. It is okay to do it for your family and for others and to be a shining beacon for other people to show that you can do it. But more specifically, you have to be the main priority when going through your degree. It's crucial to have people like yourself to be there in the media college, you know, reaching out to people like Whitney and Professor Dahlia and Dr. Pressgrove and Dr. Claristra or Professor Smith or whoever you may find a personal attachment to, get to know them, get involved, um, you know, learn from them. They have skills too. They're working professionals, hardworking, dedicated, loving professionals in the Reed College of Media there to help you. Use them, talk to them, appreciate them, praise them, do anything that you can to learn and, and really craft something from their influence. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have learned half of what I have. Well, Darren, I think I can speak for everyone that you mentioned when I say that we're really proud of you. And I can still remember you visiting campus and reaching out with questions. And three my times. heart, three times. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Throw it out there. <laughs> and my heart really just exploded with joy to see you at graduation last weekend and see you finally get to walk across the stage because you worked so hard to earn that and to see what you're doing now um, and, and that you're just absolutely so passionate about what you're doing and about making a difference in your community with the media skill sets that you have. Um, is just so beautiful to me and I am so proud of you and I just want to thank you so much for sharing today um, with the next generation of our college students because I think your advice is so important and so timely and we really appreciate everything that you have done for us in the college um, and everything that you represent. Remember, WVU and the College of Media has several resources for first-generation student success. If you need help, please reach out to your academic advisor or a professor that you trust to point you in the right direction. We're here to help. You are also always welcome to reach out to me at wgodwin at mail.wvu.edu. That's going to do it for this episode of Read Talk. Stay tuned for next time.